day in victory because of the one who lives in me. I found every promise he ever made. Jesus will keep. Walk by my side in desert strife. Love me and help me when I cry. So let me sing you one more song in case I leave. I know how I made it. I know how I made it. I made it by grace. Steps that are slower now I've taken, each one by day. Stormy shore, I lift my trembling voice once more. I know how I made it. I know how I made it. I made it.
page 179.
that's inside of my soul. It's the one that I've tried to write over and over again. I'm awakening it, but it Will you sing to me over and over and over again? So I lay my head back down and I lift my hands and pray to be over your I pray to be over. I know, Lord, you're my holy home. Sing to me the song of the stars of your galaxy dancing and laughing and laughing again. When it feels like my dreams are so far, sing to me of the blood that you have for me over again. So I lay my head back down and I lift my hand and Well, it's good to be back. This is my home away from home, and so it's good to be back here. Uh, sad part is I've been knowing a lot of you folks a lot of, lot longer than I want to admit. Uh -oh. 
Because I tell you, it's just, I don't know, time catches up with us, you know. It's good to be here today. It's so good to see y'all and good to see things are going well. Wow, this good crowd and pray for your pastor today. I have grown to love Brother Steve a lot. He is a, a dear friend of mine now and just good to be here. Um, open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 43. And we're going to get there this morning, I promise you, eventually. Um, we will get there before we dismiss. Just keep your Bibles open. But I want to talk to you this morning. I tell you what, let's pray before we get started, and then we'll jump in here and get going. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here. Thank you for these people. God, they love you. You can sense the love they have for you when you walk through the door. And I thank you so much for that. God, I thank you for this ministry that is uh, powerful and present in this community, God. And I ask you to continue to bless. Bless their pastors. He comes in and goes out. God, anoint him to do the work that you've called him to do. And for the leadership of this church, I pray that you'll anoint them. And God, I just pray that the ministry will be strong. And God, I pray, Lord, that you bless us this morning. Just for a few minutes, give us a word. God, let us speak the things you've put on our heart. Be honest and open that we may encourage and help somebody that may be struggling this morning, God, that your spirit may be used in this way. God, we know that we're nothing. We ask you to move us aside. Anything we'd want to do or say be removed, that your spirit can come and do that which you've called him to do. Thank you, Father, for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah chapter 43. Just go there. Keep it open. I want to talk to you this morning about a thought that I had a while back. It was... Um, it's kind of a combination thought. Uh, a couple of the years ago, I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago, God began to move in my life. And in that time, uh, what God really spoke to me about that uh, during that time was, is God wants a relationship with us. It's not about religion. It's not about rules. It's not about what I can or cannot do. God just wants a relationship with us. And, and during that time, he taught me how much he loved me. And, and during that time, he also spoke to me about something that I think is one of the greatest tools that is in Satan's toolbox today. I think it's one of the greatest things that Satan is using to keep us in bondage today as believers more than anything else, more than pornography, more than drugs, more than alcohol, more than anything else within the church. I think Satan's using this thought to keep us confound and not doing what he wants us to do. And that's the lie straight out of hell that we are worthless. I don't matter where I go and who I talk to in the Christian church today. And folks, this is in the church. This is not in the world. Satan has no purpose to telling the world people they're lost or they're worthless or they're no good because most of them believe that because until we know Jesus, we are. Amen? But to inside the church, everywhere I go and talk to people, it's like, it's like I keep hearing the same story over and over, you know, that I am worthless. I'm not worth anything. I can't accomplish anything. You know, according to society, I am not good enough. I can't be good enough. You know, uh, sometime back, and I was watching Sharon play the piano. Sometimes back, I started taking guitar lessons, and I've been doing that for, for a while now, and I took some piano lessons. And let me tell y'all something. I don't can't play music, okay? It doesn't matter. I can take lessons eight hours a day for the rest of my life and I still couldn't play music because I don't have that thing in my brain that does that. You know, I watch Sharon play and for her it's like walking. She just plays. I mean, people that do that, I hate because, you know, they don't have to try. You know, I, I, I sit there and try to play and it's like, you know, I have to think about it. 
then these people that do it automatically, and I look at that, and I, and I look at these people like Sharon and, and the lady that plays the organ, other people that can play and sing, and, and it's a natural gift, and I think, man, I'm worthless. I'm not any good, and I'm not when it comes to music. I mean, I go in the bedroom and shut the door, and Lori turns the TV up real loud when I practice because that's how bad it is. But, you know, you, but if we value ourselves on our capabilities, we're going to be disappointed. If we value ourselves based on what we can accomplish, we're going to be disappointed. And let me tell you something, folks. We need to get back in this country and in the church of the living God not to value ourselves based on what society says. Society don't get to decide who I am. Society don't get to decide what I'm worth. If they do, I'm worthless. If, if Hollywood defines who I am, I'm worthless. Because, you know, you never can be good-looking enough or rich enough or famous enough to fulfill what society desires. Because you know who drives society? Satan does. And he always puts the bar just above what we can obtain so we never can get there. But you know what? None of that decides our worth. Our worth was decided at the cross. When God died for our sins, you know what he says? You're worth it. So I'm so sick and so tired of hearing Christians say, I'm not worth anything. I can't do anything. Because today I want you to know that every one of us are precious in the sight of the Lord. I used to say that he puts our picture on his refrigerator. He's got my picture on his refrigerator so he thinks of me often. You think about that, the God of the universe that spoke into existence, who slung the stars into space, who took nothing and created everything, thinks of me often. Man, is that not a blessing? I mean, it doesn't matter what the society says. It doesn't matter what uh, uh, Hollywood or, or, or anything else says about me. It's what God says about me that matters. So, so I want you to understand today that you are valuable. Can I undo this tie, y'all? I'm telling you what. You know, I noticed y'all don't wear coats anymore. I did notice that last Sunday I was here. And so this morning, it's like, I'm not going to wear a coat. And you know what I was thinking? I was thinking, man, I really wish they'd quit wearing ties. I can wear a coat. I hate neckties. When you're fat and have a fat neck, you know what I'm talking about, Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> you hate neckties. Our church, you know, nobody wears neckties in our church. And I'm like, woo! I hate neckties. I do. I do. But so y'all just uh, let me loosen it up where I can breathe. That'll be better. Uh, but we need to get back to understanding what we're worth. Now, I found a passage before we get to Isaiah. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells this parable. And I love this parable because it kind of identifies what I'm talking about. Jesus says, you know, he first opens this by saying, the Son of Man comes to seek and save that which was lost. That's me. I was lost. He found me. He sought me. Now, number one, that talks about how valuable we are, that Jesus left heaven. He left the portals of glory, the throne room, the very throne itself, to come to earth to find me because I was lost. Me, Rick from West Anderson, hey, worth anything, has no value, no talents, no anything. God sought me out and found me. That tells me how valuable I am. But he goes on to think, how you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go out into the mountains and seek that which is gone? And if so be, he finds it. Verily I say unto you, he rejoices more over that sheep than the 99 which would, went not astray. 
Now think about that. Jesus is telling this parable. He's telling this parable about this shepherd that had a hundred sheep and one of them got lost and he left the 99 and he went and found the one. I love the fact that Jesus uses a sheep and shepherd to identify or illustrate our relationship with him. Think about sheep. They're not the most feared animals in the world. Amen? Sheep are, first of all, they're not real smart. So he does good in comparison. He, sheep are not uh, very um, feared in the world of animals. In fact, they're, they're not too smart. They need somebody to lead them. They need somebody to, to feed them. They just need somebody to take care of them. So he uses that to talk about how we are. Now, Jesus loves us and understands us more than we realize. You see, I think, I think that God's like, I, sometimes I think God just don't understand. You know, you know, when I wake up in the morning and don't want to go to work and, and you know, just having one of those days, and, I, and I'm like, God just don't understand. But the fact is, folks, He does understand. He walked in my shoes. He faced those temptations. He faced those uh, hard days when we have. He faced all of that. And as a sheep, and the shepherd leaves the sheep, I want you to notice something. He doesn't drive the sheep. He leads the sheep. You know, he, he doesn't force us. He guides us to where we need to go. And then He provides for the sheep. He takes us to the still waters and the green pastures. He lets us find a place of rest. He lets us find, because why? We're valuable. To the shepherd, the sheep was his livelihood. They were valuable just as we're valuable to God. The shepherd protects the sheep. He keeps them safe. Their predators come and the shepherd wards off them. And the shepherd leaves the sheep. Now I want you to think about this. He talks, and I thought about this recently. He, you know, he leaves the 99 and goes and finds the one and then he rejoices more over the one. But do you understand what he's saying here? He's not saying that the 99 are not important. He's saying that he has a relationship with each individual sheep. If one left, he goes after it. If five leaves, he goes after him. It doesn't matter. You see, God is an individual God. He loves us individually. Not a herd. You're not a herd with God. You're not just a group. You're an individual with God. God sees your individual needs. He knows your troubles. He knows your strife. But He also knows your rejoicing. He knows your victories. You see, God knows everything about us. And He deems us valuable to Him today. Do you see that? Most of all, we see above all else, the shepherd loves the sheep. He loves the sheep. Back a few years ago, a couple years ago now, uh, on Christmas, I did a presentation as a shepherd, and I dressed up in the garb like a shepherd, and, and I walked in the back of the church on, uh, on, during Wednesday night service, and, and, and I kind of approached it as a, a shepherd and talked about the shepherd's relationship with the sheep. And then I learned a lot about that. You know, sheep are not as dumb as we make them out to be. Sheep are actually social animal, and there's a social anarchy in the shepherd, in the sheep herd, and, and, and they kind of know. But you know the neat thing about a sheep is they learn the voice of their shepherd. They don't know anybody else's voice, and two shepherds with two sheepfolds can walk together in a street, and one can speak to his and the other, and they will separate. Not one single sheep goes to the wrong sheepfold. Why? Because they know the voice of their shepherd. Why? Because the shepherd loves them, and they sense that. They know that. They know they're taken care of. Folks, we're valuable to God. Now let's go to, I told you I was going to get there. Let's go to Isaiah 43. Now, what I want to do this morning is I want to give you something, okay? Because I'm tired of Satan beating us up, amen? How many is tired of getting whipped up? Don't look holy. You know you are. 
I mean, we are. I mean, I wake up in the morning and Satan goes, you're going to fail today. You're going to mess up today. Won't you just stay in bed? I get up and go to work and Satan's like, you know you got problems. Where's your God at? Why is he not here? All day long I hear this garbage, this noise coming to me from Satan. It's continuously, and I want to give you some victory this morning, okay? I want to give you something tomorrow when Satan comes at you, you've got this to combat. Because this right here is your weapon. And if you learn it, digest it, then you can use it when Satan comes at you. Nothing else is going to work. So let's look at this. Now Isaiah, they're, they're in captivity. It's a long drawn out thing. Seventy years the Israelites stay in captivity because of their sin. And God speaks to them through prophets throughout that time. And He's speaking to them here. Now look at what He says in verse 4. He says in verse 4, Since thou was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I will... Let me see. I have... I love thee, therefore I will give men for thee, thy people for thy life. Fear not, for I am, I am with thee, and I will bring thy seed from the east and gather them from the west. Now let me tell you something. Tomorrow morning when you get up, and you're getting ready for work, and you hear Satan whisper to you, you're worthless. You're worthless. You're not any good. There's nothing in you that's worth anything. No value whatsoever. You're going to fail today. You're going to mess up. You'll get mad at that co-worker. If you don't say nothing, you're going to think about saying it, and that's sin. He's going to tell you this stuff all the morning when you're getting ready to go to work. He's going to tell you, you're going to mess up today. You're going to come short. You're not going to, you're not going to like yourself at the end of the day. All morning, he's going to whisper that in your ear. And when he does, I want you to say this to him. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 4. I was precious in his sight. When he says, I'm worthless, I look at him and say, no, sir, I'm precious in the sight of God. I am precious this morning. I, Rick, am precious to God. I don't want to hear that I am worthless. That's the greatest lie that comes out of the right corner of hell this morning is that God's, we're all valued, valuable to the church of the living God. Amen. You see, he's saying to us, we are precious. You are precious. You are if you ever doubt how precious you are to God, just go to the cross. Just go to the cross. Just go in here to, in any of the Gospels. I, I'm reading through the Bible. I do it every year. This year, uh, we, we got a Bible app that we use. It's really cool. It'll actually reach to you, and I like that because I'm getting ready in the morning, eating breakfast, I'm listening. We just, I just finished up Matthew, and we went back through the crucifixion. And I, and I heard those words once again, how he was led to a place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And I heard again how they crucified him there. I heard again him talking about the words that he used on the cross about, you know, Father, why have I forsaken me? And, you know, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And, and when I hear those verses, guys, you know what I think about? God, he loved me so much. He loved me so much. You know, and it wasn't necessary, and it was the pain, and it was the physical agony that Jesus went through. But I think the greater pain to that this morning was the fact that he took the sin of all of humanity. And that sin separated him and the Father. It separated them first time, not in history, first time ever, because there's not a history with God. It's not from the beginning, he is the beginning. That's the first time they were separated. And man, I think about how much did God love me? How precious my soul is to God, that He would rather die in my place than to live eternity without me. 
Don't tell me I'm not worth anything. Don't ever, ever think that you're not valuable. I don't care where you, what station you are in life. You may be, you may be retired. You may be uh, enjoying your uh, latter years. That does not mean that you're not precious in the sight of God. And let me tell you another little secret. That does not mean that you don't have a ministry. My pastor used to tell me, if you got a pulse, you got a purpose. You know, and I'm going to tell you what, I have survived spiritually through the years because I've had some good, godly saints on their face praying for me. That may be your purpose, is just pray. Pray for your pastor. Pray for this church. You're valuable. Second, Satan's going to come to you after he tells you that. He's going to come, and man, he loves this one. This is one of those that he thrives on. He's going to say, you're a disappointment to God. I know what you did yesterday. I know what you said. I know how you treated your family. I know what you thought. You're a disappointment to God. You're just disappointing Him. Because you know what, folks? Of everything in this world, my, one of my greatest fears is to disappoint my Father. Because you know what? I want Him to be pleased. He paid such a cost for me. I want Him to be pleased. So Satan knows that. So what he says, you're a disappointment. You realize that, right? You know, and, and, and see, God knows everything. And I know that God knows everything. God knows my thoughts. God knows what I do when nobody sees it. God understands that. And I know that. And I'm like, Satan's going, yeah, you disappointed him this time. Look at what he says in Isaiah chapter 43. He says, thou hast been honorable. When Satan tells me I'm a disappointment, God says you have been honorable. Because you know what? The Bible says God doesn't see me as I am. He sees me as I will be. He sees me through the blood of Christ. He sees me through what He has given for me. And when I fail, there's forgiveness and God moves on. Don't let the bondage keep you. You see what Satan will do is he will use that sin that you have been in in the past to hold you captive for the future. Break free of that. Let me show you this. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says that God is willing to, if we'll confess our sins, He will forgive us. Okay. Woo! That's good news. Amen? But it doesn't stop there. Now, it took me a long time to figure this out. I'm slow. But uh, He says He will forgive us our sins, but there's another phrase. What is it? That He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you all understand what that is? With God, it's not only that we're forgiven of our sins, but we're cleansed. That means that past sin has no power on my future. When God forgives me, He washes it away. Only way that sin deters my future and keeps me in bondage is if I allow it to. If I allow that sin power in my life, then it will keep me in bondage and continue to be sin. But God says, once you confess it and I've forgiven it, it's gone. There's no power left in that. So often we drag that sin around with us. We do. You know, it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like a baggage of garbage. Stinking, rotten, detestable garbage. And we drag it around with us. And God says, why are you doing that? That's gone. Get rid of that. Understand that you're honorable and nothing you do will disappoint God. You're not a disappointment. You're not a disappointment to God. We're honored in His sight. You know, I'm not, I've never been honored too much on this world. I, I haven't, you know. I'm not the smartest, the brightest, none of that stuff. But in God's world, I'm highly favored and honored for what He has done for me. Then the next thing, Satan, if that doesn't work, He's going to come back and He's going, this is one that works. 
that works on me, works on you, works on everybody. You know what he whispers in your ear? He says, hey, be afraid. Be so afraid. He'll say, did you read the newspaper today? Did you listen to the news? Boy, you need to be afraid. You, you, you been to the doctor lately? Oh, you need to be afraid. He'll say, just, just be afraid, be afraid. You see, when I had my oh, revival back, I don't know, several years ago, and, and God changed my life, it was because of fear. It's because I was afraid. I'm just, can I be open with y'all and transparent? We had just had the election of 2020, and I was devastated because I didn't know what, held, what the future held, okay? And I was afraid, and I was fearful, and God moved into my life. And he said, you know, I want a relationship with you. This fear should not control you. Move away from the fear. And you know what, folks? In perfect love, there is no fear. You've got to understand that God will not cause fear. Look at what he says in, in uh, Isaiah 43, verse 5. He says, fear not, for I am with you. Just whisper that. No reason to fear. You know, I don't know what the future holds, folks. I have no idea. I'm getting older and uh, understand that things change when you get older and, you know, life's uncertain. I, I don't know, but I do know that I don't have to fear. And I'm going to tell you all, as I get older, that's one of those things that kind of in the back of your mind, like, you know, yesterday I was a young guy and everything was fresh. And, and now a lot of my friends have passed away and a lot of my loved ones have passed away. And, they, and I'm thinking, you know what? It's closer than I realize, and, and I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what that door looks like, and sometimes Satan, uh, Satan will cause fear to come over me because you know it's a little fearful when I don't know what is happening in the future. And then God whispers through the Holy Spirit in my ear, Fear not, for I am with thee. You know, if death comes tomorrow, so what? Greater is he that's in us than he's in the world. I don't have to fear. If I have to walk that long pathway through the valley of the shadow of death, you know what he says? I am with thee. We're going to go together. So I don't have to fear. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. This is hard. It's hard when we live in a world that is, seems to be falling apart around us. It seems like everything we've trusted has gone away. You know, we live in a day when the church shut down completely. Oh, my goodness. So it's fearful. But God says, fear not doesn't matter. does not matter what you're facing. You don't have to fear. Fear not, for I am with thee. Fear not, because perfect love casts out all fear. We need a healthy, a healthy dose of the fear of God, because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Beyond that, we don't fear anything. We need to be fearless. We need to be fierce in our pursuit of God. Don't fear anything Satan has, because he wants to keep... You know, you realize fear is bondage. Fear will paralyze you. Fear will keep you from finding the best that God has for you. Fear will keep you at home, keep you away, keep you uh, uh, serving Satan. But God says, don't be fearful. Find victory over fear. Because you know what? When faith walks in the room, fear leaves. When I say I'm going to trust God, then fear has to go. Because faith trumps fear every single time. Then I want to give you one more. This is, Satan. this is kind of Satan's Hail Mary. This is where Satan's kind of trying to get me. Then Satan will whisper, God doesn't love you. How can God love you? You ever heard that? No, don't be spiritual here. and Don't be holy. Be truthful. Have you ever heard Satan say to you, how can God love you? 
How can God love you? Man, God knows what you've done. You're, oh my goodness. Really? I mean, I, I hear that, folks. You may not. You may be more spiritual than me. But often I hear Satan go, especially when I mess up or, you know, I get in the flesh a little bit. And, you know, Satan will whisper, ah, you think God loves you? Can God really love you? Can God love you? I mean, really? What does God say? Looking back in Isaiah, he says, for I have loved thee. In their darkest time in Israel, when they are carried away in bondage, when Isaiah says this is going to happen, it's going to be bad, you know what God says? I love you. Even in those dark nights when you can't sleep, even in that day when you get the worst news you've ever got, even in the most worst day that you're facing the greatest adversary, you know what God whispers in your ear? I love you. I love you. You know, it doesn't matter. God loves us beyond everything else. God loves us so much that we can't even comprehend it, that we can't even grasp it. That, you know, that's the one thing God was trying to express to me during that little uh, revival that I had was that how much He truly loved me, that He loved me more than I could understand, that I could never find the depth nor the width or the length of His love for me. There was no end to how much He loved me. There was never going to be a stoppage of that love. There's never going to be a day when it runs out. I'm never going to use it all up. He just keeps on loving me, regardless of my failures and faults. You see, Satan wants us to think that, yeah, God may love you today, but boy, He's not tomorrow. Or here's another one that Satan will do. Satan, may, he, Satan will say He'll love you as long as you do good. He loves you long as you do right. You fail and see what happens. That's Satan loves that because he wants to get you out of where God wants you to be. Don't you understand that you're valuable to God? That you're so valuable to Him. He loves you so much. He wants you not to fear the things of Satan. He wants you to understand you'll never disappoint God. You'll never have to face fear alone. He is... You're so valuable. I find this little thing I want to read to you. It's in a, 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 blog that, a blog that was posted by Mike Glenn. He says, every week I'm reminded of how important the gospel message is. You are loved. You didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it, but God gives it freely. It's grace. You are created in His image, paid for by His death, and it's free. And invited to live a new way with Him and His resurrection. You are valuable indescribably so, and it is only the good news of Jesus that tells you that. Paintings are valuable because the artist signs them. Everything makes, their signature is what makes it valuable. Imagine, please, take a few moments to imagine what some museum, uh, museum would say you were worth if, they, if you could show them the signature of God upon you. That's what the, and I can't, Imagine Domingo means. God, the greatest artist, has signed you uh, and me, and our self-esteem is not based on what we have done, but in who made us. We are deemed beautiful, not by some arbitrary standard of the world, but by our Maker. God has created us, loved us, and makes every one of us beautiful because we are bearers of God's beauty. You know, uh, when you know what you are worth, things change. Your life changes. You will change about your life. You will understand the value that God has given you. When you understand what you're worth to God, your value changes. Folks, don't let the world define who you are. Don't let Satan define 
who you are. Don't let some standard or some TV show or some spokesperson or somewhere else tell you what you're worth. Understand God has already deemed you valuable. God's already declared your worth. He did that at the cross. He did that when He died and rose again for you. You go out and live that way. You live like a valuable uh, believer in Christ, showing the world what it means to be God's own people. Be valuable. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much this morning, God, for this time. And God, I am so encouraged by the fact that we are valuable in Your eyes, God. Every person in this building is deemed valuable, not by me, God. Not by even this church, God, but by you in the Word of God that says you gave it all for us. God, you didn't give it because I deserved it, God. You gave it because you loved me and you understood the value of a soul. Jesus says, what would it gain a man if he gained the whole world and lost his own soul? You see, folks, our soul it's important, God. Thank you for deeming us valuable this morning. Bless this time of invitation. If there's a person here struggling today, maybe they're fearful. Maybe they've heard that, that they're a disappointment. Maybe they think they're not loved. Whatever the need is, God, today you say, come. Come, and I will deem you valuable. Whisper in their ears, God, that you love them and that Satan can't do anything to distract us, Father. Thank you so much this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Would y'all stand, please? Page 105. You'll find a God that loves you. Thank you.
so much for letting me be here today and for the invitation and the sweet, sweet spirit of uh, welcoming that I get every time I come. God, I love you guys. I do. I, this, this is my home away from home. I mean, seriously, this church has been a part of my life for a very, very long time. And I appreciate y'all's faithfulness to God. You know, I look around, I see some of you that were here back in the nineties when I used to come and preach and man, that's what it's all about. And God's blessing. He's going, I pray for this church, by the way, every single day and your pastor. And I pray that God would do a mighty work here. So keep going, keep doing what God wants y'all to do. Any, uh, no service Wednesday. Didn't you say that? No service Wednesday night. Don't forget that. And if you have any other questions, ask Butterworth after we sober it, okay? <laughs> it's been good to be here. So thank you, Gina. That was great. Thank God bless you. you. And the ladies playing, man. Ah, mm, good deal. Good to be here. Brother Curtis Collette, would you dismiss us in the word of prayer, please? Sir? Amen.